Well, good morning. How's it going? Why don't we stand and I will pray us in. Lord God, I just thank you for each person here today. I ask Holy Spirit that you would just come and that you would fill this space, that you'd fill this room. God, this make this your holy ground, God. We know that nothing can happen without you. And so we just submit to you, God, and we just let you, we just want you to move. We want you to... Remind us of who you are in our lives and how we need you. In Jesus' name, join me as we sing. There's a name that levels mountains Carves out highways through the sea I've seen its power unravel battles Right in front of me There's a faith that stands to fight Sends Goliath to his knees I've seen his praise unravel shackles Right off my feet Cause that's the power of your name Just a mention makes a way Giants fall and strongholds break Unafraid, the kind of daring expectation that every prayer I make is on an empty grave. Cause that's the power of a name, just a mention makes a way. Giants fall and strongholds break. that today but I see you taking ground I see you press ahead your power is dangerous in the enemy's game you still do miracles you will do what you say 
wants to move and so lean into that
seal that over each one, over every heart and mind and body. You are constantly with us. You do not abandon us. You never leave. You always show up. You are a good father.
great is our Lord. We cry out to him. He fills our lungs with breath, and we praise him with that. You know, when you get to work in the church like I do, you get to see the breath of how God is moving, and sometimes you see it all in a couple days, and we've experienced that this week as we are just praising God and celebrating with Pastor Evan and Melodies. They've had their, their fourth little baby girl this week. Yeah, let's celebrate that. Yeah, and as a dad of three daughters, I think we should pray for Evan as well. Because, I mean, there are great blessings and great joy in that. And then on the other spectrum, you know, we lost a longtime saint of the church, Barb Kilbury, this week, who, you know, she's a longtime member and loved the Lord with all of her heart, uh, but has now gone on to eternity. We want to pray for their family as well. And I know when I look at the room here, everything in between is here today. You know, some of you are celebrating great things. Some of you have difficulties. And we just have the opportunity just to bring those things before God together this morning. You know, so if that's you, if you came in here with any kind of a need this morning, I just simply invite you to have a seat. It's a way if we just humble ourselves before God and say, God, I need you to move in this. I want to praise you in this, but I need you to move. So if that's you, just have a seat. Someone will come around you and just put their hand on your shoulder and let you know that you are not alone in this. Let's seek God together this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for those words that are true, that you love us, that we get to praise you. We praise you on the mountaintops, and we praise you in the valleys as well. Lord, and we, we praise you, and we praise you with joy for the birth of this new one for Pastor Evan and Melody, and say, God, we are so grateful. We pray for quick healing for Melody, for like that baby to grow, to be healthy and strong, and all that you want her to be, Lord. And then we grieve with the Kilbury family, Lord. We thank you for Barb's life, for the example that she was, but we know that there is pain and that her absence as well. So we just pray that you would bring your comfort as only you can. And then for everything in between, everything that is represented in this room, Lord, we just ask that you move, Lord. Whether it's restoration of relationships, whether it's a financial need, whether it's a physical need, God, we know that everything is, there's so many people that are, are fighting battles today. Lord, just remind them that they are not alone, that you are with them, that you are for them, that you love them. Remind each one of us that this morning. We are so grateful. And we're reminded, God, that we are just one expression of your church. And we pray for all the other local churches who are meeting this morning. We pray just for revival in our community, that your spirit would fall fresh and new here. And we would see lives turning to you. And we pray for your church around the world. And we are so grateful for that as well. We pray all these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. I just want to welcome you to all shores this morning. So glad that you are here with us. So glad you are joining us online if you're doing that this morning as well. This is what we call a fifth Sunday. So four times a year we have an extra Sunday. And we always designate those as outreach Sundays because we want you to know what we're doing in the community and around the world. So in the lobby today over on my left, your left as you walk out, there's a table. Tina will be there with some information, some things that are going on um, both locally and globally. You know, next weekend we are hosting a uh, respite night for foster care parents. So it's just a night for them to get away. We'll watch their kids just for the grateful for what they're doing. You know, today we're just going to be focusing on vulnerable children. That's what we want you to be aware of. You know, we had a team that just returned. I've talked to many of them from Ethiopia who went and served at our care point and just learned about what they're doing there and all the children that we are serving there. And there's still kids that we can sponsor for just a monthly donation. They get food, they get discipleship, they get their lives changed. And you can be a part of that just by going in. You can see Tina for that table too and more information.
There's so many great things that are happening. We're collecting food on the way out. You'll be given a bag. So we participate with Hand to Hand in all of our campuses. That just provides foods for kids on the weekend, the kids that just need food to get through the weekend. It's going to make a difference in their lives. It's a simple way that we care for those that are vulnerable. And this weekend, we got, this week, we also get to do something that's just fun and serve our community and serve our kids. And we're, we're joining with the Village of Spring Lake. And for their uh, trunk or treat, we're going to be at Tanglefoot Park. We're going to be there with cider and donuts and candy, just having a great time, blessing our community, just being a part of that. We also need help with that, too. We still need about eight people to bring their car there to have a trunk. We'll fill it with candy, and you can just have fun being a joy in the community and handing out um, candy that way. You can go to our website and the events and the trunk or treats on there. You can sign up. And I know Amy would be thrilled that you would be a part of that. So find a place that you can be involved, not only in your church, but in the community as well. We're so grateful. You know, the the best way for us to know more about those things is to really stay connected as a church. And we have in front of you in the seats is what we call our connection card. So whether you're here for the first time or this is your church home, this is a tool that you use to stay connected, to ask questions. If you're new here today, we'd love for you to fill that out. You can bring it to me or take it to our connection point in the back of the room. You can change your address. You can ask questions. You can say, hey, I want to be part of the trunk or treat and hand that in and we'll get, get a hold of you and help you do that. But we want to stay connected and help you grow and take steps in your faith as well. Well, we're just going to continue in worship this morning just by receiving God's tithes and our offerings. It truly is just one more way that we worship. When we give back to God, we say we want to be a part of what you're doing in this church. We want to be a part of what you're doing in this community. We know that that takes resources. So if you came prepared to give, we just want you to do that with joy in your heart and truly as an act of worship. There's ways to give online on the screen behind me, and there's offering boxes by all the doors if you want to do it in person. And we just want to say thank you for being so generous so we can be generous in our community. Now, if you're turning your attention to the screen, there's more information about what's happening here at All Shores. Hey, All Shores, I'm so excited to let you know about our next worship night, which is Friday, November 10th at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be an awesome night. And what I love about these nights is it's opportunity for us to just deepen our abiding with the Lord. And we get to do that in a corporate setting. We'll do that through prayer, worship, silence, and scripture. And I'm so excited, too, because I've got some friends coming to join us as well. It's going to be an awesome night, so make sure you mark your calendar. Hope to see you there. Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you here in our Spring Lake campus as well. Uh, in just a minute, I want to introduce uh, David White, who's our guest uh, today speaking to us, and tell you a little more about him. But before we do that, uh, I want to invite you to join me in prayer. And it a little bit just reminds us, is what I, I want to take us to today, that we do always want to be a church that is globally focused as well as our own area. And you do in many ways. I think that's why we have such a priority to this, and you'll hear more even from David, which is part of the results of us having that. But one of the things, that at least I'm aware in my own life, is I hear in the news all sorts of things going on, and sometimes they feel very distant and disconnected, like all sorts of messes around the world. And we have even five areas specifically that we're involved with, or there's war going on right now, that we care about. I'm not that we don't. I mean, we care about all of it, but that we're particularly so. In Ethiopia, there are things going on in Myanmar, in uh, Pakistan, in Israel, in Ukraine. All of those we have connections to. But I also want to remind us that even if we don't, how can we take a posture when we hear of things that are pretty unsettling and tragic where we actually want to care and pray? And some of it can even be, God, help me to have a heart for this. Help this matter. But so with that in mind, I want to remind us 
Like we always want to see healing and peace and comfort and hope out of those things. And I'm just going to kind of pray that for us in the world around us on our behalf. And then I'm going to pray for us as David comes to, and I want to introduce him after that. But I want you just to join me in prayer in the midst of the things going on that we say we want to care about what's happening around us, not just here. So let's pray with that in mind. And Lord, I lift up these messes all around the world and different parts of the world that we know of and those we do not. Those wars that are civil, meaning in the midst of them, and those that are between nations. God, we cry out for peace to be had in those places. We cry out for healing and comfort and life and protection. And we simply ask you to give us your heart when there are these things raging around us that like you, we would see with your eyes, care with your heart, and engage with your very words and passion and, and drive. So we lift up the things we can't know what to do and pray you would be moving in our midst, bringing your kingdom. And then, Lord, I pray for us as we are about to open the scriptures together as David leads us that you would help us to have ears to hear, that you would meet us wherever we are from doubting and struggling to fully engaged and from apathy, from ego, from brokenness, whatever it is, God, would you speak? And I pray this in your name. Amen. Before David White comes to join us, David is the district superintendent of the Wesleyan Church in the United Kingdom, in the UK. And we are grateful. He's over here for some other things that he came from, uh, actually from, from uh, several members of ours, from Dino Hornet specifically, had him come over for some things with our movement, with the denomination to engage in. He's been going all week. And we said, hey, would you like to tack on another day? And, uh, and this is part of what my ongoing joy is that I get to be as one of the leaders, because we get to engage globally, we get, we learn a lot from the churches around the world that God's doing things uniquely in ways he's not here or ways we need to learn from. And so anytime we get exposed to someone that's a leader, some kind of missional person in around the world, we get to grow from them. And David comes really uh, with relational reputation. We know He's had a really powerful impact where he is. And so I ran in, Jane and I ran into him at our summit in Greece this summer. And then we heard he was going to be in the States. And I'm like, Thad, is there any way we can get him here? And Thad did his magic and David is here. So we're just grateful. I want to welcome him and have you welcome him with us. Oh, good morning. It is still morning. Uh, it's afternoon in, in the UK, so I'm just having to, to double check that. And as I said, my body is still on, on UK time. Um, Pete, thank you so much. Um, and I am, I am so, so humble and grateful to be here um, with you all. As, as tired as I may, have, I may be, um, but I'm just grateful that this local church is so globally minded. Um, in regards to the things of God. It is such a blessing and it's refreshing to know that although you are still focused on what's happening locally in your community, you still have an eye on what God is doing abroad. You still have an eye and an interest on what the Spirit is doing across the pond. So I, I send you uh, greetings and blessings uh, from, from the UK um, with our other brothers and sisters um, in our churches and I'm just uh, glad I get to spend some time with you, worshipping with you, 
and, and conveying what I believe God has laid on my heart to share with you. And so again, just thank you to, to, to Pete and to Thad and to, and to everyone else just to make this, this happen. Um, I, I do not take it lightly. And, and I'm also aware that you've, I think a few weeks ago, you had uh, the privilege to hear from uh, Wayne Schmidt. He was sharing from, from the Book of Acts and, and just also in regards to, to where the Wesleyan Church has is, is been praying um, globally and, and being missional in regards to the Book of Acts. And, and I know that as a denomination, we have, we have been praying. In regards to how do we replicate, well, not even replicate, how did we just do what God has called us to do from that first explosion and inception of the Holy Spirit at work upon all flesh? And so I was really um, thrilled and my heart was overjoyed when I saw what Wayne had shared in regards to what the church had been praying through. Because one of the books I have been saturating myself in um, over the past few years has been the book of Acts. Um, this has been a book that has really been helping me to understand how, how do we do this thing, God? How does a, a group of people who seem completely dysfunctional, unfit, unqualified, on your behalf, God, do this movement? How do we join in with what you're already doing and knowing that a group of people did it who most of us wouldn't even bat an eyelid and we get to join in with that? 2,000 years later, we are still part of the movement of what the Holy Spirit has been doing and is continuing to do. And it's just really humbling to know that we all have a part to play. And, and so that's what I want to share with you um, today. And I, I try to be clever, and, and I'm, I'm not. Um, I probably shouldn't admit that. But even the title, an act of serving and leading, I'm trying to use a play of words because it's from the book of Acts that I'm going to share. And normally when we think of the book of Acts, some people may, may think, is it the Acts of the Apostles? Or is it the Acts of the Holy Spirit? And so people will have a different view on what that might mean. So, so I've tried to, to use this um, kind of wordplay. It hasn't worked because I'm having to explain it. Um, so, so we'll see how the rest of this goes. But, but I really hope and pray um, that you'll receive something from it and you'll be encouraged and also challenged and by what God would, would have you to hear. So I just want to share from chapter 18. And, and, and I don't normally do this, so I'm going to be sharing from the first four verses. We're going to miss, we're going to miss a bunch of verses. We're going to jump down to verse 24 uh, and, 20, and we'll land on verse 26. And I'll try to give a bit of context um, before and, and in between that. But, but this is where I want us to focus on. Um, and so I'll, I'll be reading Acts 18 from verse 1 to 4. Then I'll jump down to verse 24 to 26. So after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, 
he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp and light unto our feet. Lord, will you use me, Lord, right now? Will you help all that we need to know and do for your name's sake? Let your will be done. Let your name be glorified in all that is said and done. And so this I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just, just before I start to unpack this a little bit, just to give a bit of, of context, in the chapter before, Paul was in Athens. Um, and, and Paul, as you know, was, was traveling around the different regions of the Roman Empire, proclaiming the gospel, um, in particular to, to Gentile communities, the non-Jewish communities. And in chapter 17, we see that he's in Athens, he's debating and he's arguing with the, the, the synagogue and the temple leaders and even some of the philosophers and, and some of the people in, in Athens. And then in chapter 18, he leaves from Athens and then he sets sail or, or, or he travels to Corinth. And, and here he meets this couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And they stay together. They're working together. They're, they're tent makers. So, so, so we know that Paul is bivocational and Aquila and Priscilla are bivocational. But they are still doing the work of God. They are still ministering. They are still speaking the things of God wherever they need to. And so they have this connection and they build up this relationship. And then where I've skipped, it shows you that they, they move on from Corinth and they go to Ephesus. And so they're traveling. And then from there, Paul then has to go to somewhere else to Macedon. But he leaves Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. But we start seeing when they're in Corinth, how Paul establishes this church. So then he leaves them and then we come further on where Aquila and Priscilla, they're still in Ephesus and then they're introduced to this Jew named Apollos who's from Alexandria. And he's preaching, he's teaching and then they decide, we hear what he's saying but we're going to invite him into our home and explain to him the ways of the Lord a bit more adequately we, we, we're going to ignore Paul for, for, for today if that's okay I know we love Paul um, but we're going to ignore him and I want us to focus on uh, these these three individuals the couple Aquila and Priscilla and Apollos we're, going to, we, we're just going to concentrate on them because I really find what happens here, really interesting. 
And as I said, I'd, I'd, I'd read the book of Acts so many times and I'd never seen this before until I really took note and God was showing me something different. And, and so firstly, let's just look at Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila, it says, is from Pontus. Now, Pontus is, uh, is, is a place, the northern region of modern-day Turkey. The, the Bible would have called it Asia Minor. So he's from northern Turkey. And what we know about this region in Pontus, it's considered to be barbaric. They're considered to be barbarians, uncivilized. They're considered to be savage, kind of like inferior, if you will. And in the same way where, where we know Jesus from, from, from Galilee, and the word is said, can anything good come from, from Galilee, from Nazareth? Anything good come from there? And so Pontus, that's where he's originally from. But as people of God, he's, many people of God, we're always on the move. So he's originally from northern Turkey, but we see him and his wife, they're living in Rome, in Italy. But then because of the persecution and the order by Claudius, they then move from Rome, from Italy, and they go down to Greece in Corinth. Amazing. Isn't it amazing that we see the people of God always constantly on the move? But it's interesting of the region of Aquila and Priscilla, a place known to be considered inferior, second class. What would anybody have from there that would be of any use? People may even look at their vocation as a tent maker. That's not going to be of any use to certain people, maybe. Then we're introduced to Apollos. Wow. Apollos. Even the name. A Jew, but a Greek name. He's from Alexandria, uh, the capital of Egypt. He's, he's North African with a Greek name. But Alexandria is known for his intellectual prowess. It's known for its library. It's known for its literary resources. And we know that he is a learned man. He's, he's, you might want to call him a scholar. He's an intellectual. And so he's from a, a place of status, a place of prestige, a place that you're going to want to live in Alexandria if you could, if you could afford it, mind you. And here we get this really interesting interaction where we get this couple from this part of the world that is considered inferior and barbaric, now are engaged and interact with a man of status, of prestige, of renown, of intellectual prowess. And we're going to really unpack what can we learn about what happens. What are some of the things that I, what God was revealing to me and was challenging me about this interaction and this engagement of what it means to be people of God and how we serve and how we lead and learn. The first thing I want to touch on is humility. 
naturally, we think the humility is from Apollos. But I also think how humble Aquila and Priscilla were. How they had to kind of humble themselves to be like, hold on a minute. We're dealing with someone who knows his stuff here. Sometimes we have to we have to empty ourselves or we have to rid ourselves of all the inferior complex and humble ourselves and be like, maybe we have something to offer here. And that's a scary but yet humbling experience. Especially if you feel like you may have an infer- inferiority complex. But of course, Apollos was humble. He knows his stuff. This would, have, this would have been his, his vocation. Studying and learning the Torah, the scriptures, knowing it inside out. Knowing what, what it means where every I and every dot was. He would have known his stuff and here he was going into the synagogues, into the places of influence, teaching and debating. But then he was humbled to know that maybe there's something he doesn't know. Aquila and Priscilla were humbled knowing that maybe there's something we have to offer. And this amazing exchange takes place. How amazing is it that somebody who can be such an intellectual giant as Apollos can just humble themselves to think that maybe there's something I, I, don't, know, I don't quite know. How amazing can it be for Aquila and Priscilla who are tent makers? And we might just want to call that a kind of a manual job today. That they have something to offer to those who may call ourselves specialists. And the next thing that leads me on to that we have to have a posture of learning. And I don't mean learning in regards to head knowledge. I mean learning about what's going on in our heart. Learning about the deep things of what it means to be in relation with God and with one another. Learning how to be the people of God on the move. Learning on what it means to be in relations with others who we may not normally want to be in relation with. Learning of what it means when the Holy Spirit poured out his spirit on all flesh. On all flesh. What does that mean to be in community? With the Holy Spirit being the center, but there's a wide chasm of difference. We still have to be people that's prepared to learn. Not just up here, but prepared to learn what does it mean to be long of the family of God. What does it mean to be in fellowship with other believers who we may not normally come in contact with, who we we may not normally want to be around? Or just for for whatever reason, we're not going to have those opportunities. What does it still mean to have that posture of that I'm going to be prepared to learn something afresh about God? Because a different perspective of what God is doing in you is something that I can take from. You know what also fascinates me? This is, God God always just 
he always blows our mind, but he also overwhelms our hearts as well. Because God is subverting, the Holy Spirit is subverting our way of understanding of what it means to know God, of what it means to be in relationship with God. How is it that people who, who don't have the qualifications, who don't have the know-how, are teaching a scholar about Jesus? That makes no sense. We go to Bible school. We have discipleship classes. We have Bible studies. We do all types of things to understand about God. And we normally pay for those who have specialized it, who have spent years studying, honing their craft. That's great. Sometimes maybe we just need to learn from a different place. From those who have something to teach us that no class, no professor, no scholar can teach us. And I'm doing myself a disservice by saying this. As someone who studied, who went to theological college, who also trained as a teacher. And I, even though growing up I hated reading, but the one way to understand who God was, who Jesus was, I had to read the Bible. And so in reading the Bible, then I was like, oh, there's other stuff I can read and learn. But it's not just always about what's up here. But what's in here. That's what God's interested in. What is happening in here? What are we learning about God? That ought to churn what's going on in here. When I was studying, and I, and I studied at an ecumenical College, meaning I studied with um, Anglicans and Methodists and Pentecostal uh, ministers. And there were some fantastic lecturers, some brilliant professors, brilliant scholars. Man, I love, and, and I loved learning. I loved being in a space where I was just, my mind was being blown about different ways of understanding of how God was working and doing things. And, and don't get me wrong, it was a place where I also was anchored in my faith. As much as there were some strange things that they were saying, but I was just in awe of some of the things that I was being taught and knowing and, and learning. And, and, and part of my, my training, I had to go on placement to, to, a, to another church, a different denomination. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've reached a certain place now. I know my stuff. Not, not, not as much as I, I'd like to, but I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting to grips with this. I'm exegeting text well. I'm understanding of what certain things... I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to present a, a decent, relevant argument. I think I'm... Yeah. I'm understanding God's word more. One of the Sundays, I was at my home church. And I was just being super critical, thinking that I knew it all. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And I was like so critical and so pompous. And there came a moment of prayer. And, and in our churches, it's predominantly those from the Caribbean, Caribbean descendants in most of our churches. And we have some of these older church mothers. I haven't gone to theological college. I heard them praying. Man, I was in pieces. I wasn't praying 
great theological truths. I wasn't praying high intellectual philosophical stuff. They were praying from the depths of their heart. And that was the moment like, this is what it's all about. These older church mothers who have lived out their faith were just expressing gratitude and even angst in their prayers. There was a, there was a sense of urgency in their prayers. And I was like, God, did, and I had to repent. And I was like, this is what it's about. Doesn't matter how many lectures I sit through. Doesn't matter how many books that I read. But by being in fellowship and relationship with people who I think, what would they have to offer? Absolutely broke me. And so we always have to be, we always have to have a posture of learning about God from here. What is God doing and showing us with the unlikely of people? The least likely of people. I was also blown away by the courage of Aquila and Priscilla to serve and to lead. There was courage from Apollos as well. <laughs> it takes a brave person to go into a different environment that you're not used to and to humble yourself. It takes bra- you, have to be, you have to be brave to do that, but the bravery also, I think, really resides with Aquila and Priscilla. Here they are faced with this scholar, this, uh, this, this man of prestige. He knows his stuff. We've seen how eloquent he is talking. The courage to say, I, I, I think we may have something to offer you. We, we have something to offer you. There's something that's, it's, you're missing something. Can, can we show you? Would you come to ours? Would you mind the courage to do that? One of the, I don't know if it's a joy or um, or punishment really, but I get to um, meet with other church denominational leaders in the UK. Um, bishops within the Anglican church, in the Methodist church, in evangelical churches, Pentecostal churches, even Eastern Orthodox churches. And some of them, they come wearing from head to toe, dressed in robe and hat and everything. And, and, and I'm there in my vans uh, and my jeans. Like, uh, I, I, I don't belong here. I'm not very highly liturgical. I don't belong here. But the courage of Aquila and Priscilla to have this, to have Apollos come into their home to serve him, but also to lead. The bravery that takes. And sometimes we have to look beyond ourselves. It's bigger than us. Because they recognize the influence that he had going from synagogue to place to place, teaching about God. They knew this was, this was bigger than them. There was stuff at stake for the sake of the gospel. That there was something that he was missing. And for Jesus to be glorified, they saw that they had something 
to offer to him. I don't know who may need to have a sense of courage to speak to people who are in position of influence and authority and prestige maybe. To be like, I, I, I think I've got something to, to give. I'm, I'm brave enough to say I, I've got something to give. I know you've got this title and that. I know you've, I know you've done this. I know you've done that. But I think I've got something to offer. And likewise, those who are, those who do have authority, those who do have influence, those who do... We just need to be brave as well and place ourselves in humility and be like, I want to learn. I want to hear what God is doing because none of us are masters of Jesus. We're students. We're all disciples of Jesus. And so if anyone ever thinks that they've mastered it, then you, really you should be like uh, Enoch. You should have been taken up. If you've got it all figured out, you shouldn't be here. But we all should be like, we're students. We're, no, matter what we've, no matter how much we think we know about God, there is always something more that God will just blow our minds with and overwhelm our hearts with. But we've got to be brave. We've got to be brave. The last thing I want to speak about is, it has to be Relational. Now, I really struggle with this. From, I really do. I have to be honest. I struggle in a sense of what does it mean? What does it mean that Aquila and Priscilla, who were from, from North, they were, they were Turkish. I'm just going to use modern language. They were from North Turkey, who would have been, let me be honest, second class would have had an inferior reputation, do fellowship with a North African. Okay, the Jews, but ethnically and culturally, there's going to be some real differences there. Just even by the type of food they're going to eat. What does that mean for, for those from, from that part of the world, from these Turkish folk who are second class and now inviting a North African of prestige, of intellectual prowess into their home and breaking bread. Where else would this normally happen apart from Jesus being the center? I would really struggle, and I do struggle, going to someone's home who doesn't look like me, doesn't talk like me, doesn't smell like me, doesn't eat the same food as me. To being in a place of wanting to learn, but in a place where this is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. What does that mean? What does that mean that we're going to break bread and learn and share with those of a different race or ethnicity, of a different age, of a dif different social class, class, different status? And dare I say, those of a different maybe political view. What does that mean to do that? Because if Jesus is the center, if Jesus is why we are who we are, and for Aquila and Priscilla, there was too much at stake for them not 
to invite him in and to offer the little thing that they, they had. And for Apollos to receive that in humility. Uh, maybe we've, maybe we're just doing something different. But that's why I have to keep coming back to Acts. I have to keep reminding myself, what does it mean to be a follower in Jesus, even when the world seems turned upside down that they was going through, even when a group of people that are unfit, unqualified and dysfunctional and this, this and that, what does it still mean to be part of the movement of God? Because God will continue to do what he's going to do. He's always on the move. But how do we just stay tuned in and join with what he's doing? Will you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, you who are the God over all flesh, in you there is no failure. And so, Lord, will you do for us the only you can? In our weakness, will you help us, Lord, and remind us of what it means that we are one people, Remind us of what it means to be in unity and fellowship with those who, who we may not normally want to be in fellowship with. With those who we may not think that have something different to offer. Well, it will only enrich us. It will only help us even more to know your heart. Will you help us, Lord? Will you continue to stir in our hearts the things of you. And Lord, the things that we try to hold dear to, will you help us to just to let it go? Will you give us courage and boldness? Will you help us to do the things that we know is at your very heart and that you would desire and have us to do? And so, Lord, help us, we ask. Help us as we go from here to really seek and know what it means to hunger and search after your heart through those whom you've called. And we know, Lord, we know, Lord, that you will help us in that. And so this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So grateful to have you with us today, David. And I know for me personally that even I get to I got to listen twice, and there's something just stirring. And I love the we want to always give space to allow God to do what He wants to do with what He's teaching us today. So. We celebrate communion after the message, and we have time to worship to say, well, let's give a little space here. And I, I want to just give you a picture of communion, maybe to even help us from what we are engaging in today. But I also want to tell you, we don't have any stipulations or rules. You don't have to be a member here to participate in communion. We want you to authentically be pursuing Jesus. So if you're at a place you're not ready for that, you're not, we're not trying to push a religious routine on you. If you want to discover more of him, we believe this is a centering, sacred experience that God invites us to participate in. So when you came in, you should have gotten a cup, and it would have the bread on the top layer 
and then the drink in the lower layer, just so you know that. And we'll do that in a minute. But I want to give picture to this that Jesus gave us on the night he was betrayed because he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And the bread itself is a bread without leaven. It's a, it's a bread without elevating itself, if you will, that Jesus came in humility. But it is also a picture to us when we come to his presence and we come in our brokenness. Those of us who feel unworthy and broken, it says Jesus takes the valleys and brings them up. And it says Jesus takes the mountains and brings them down. And there's a sense when we receive communion, when we receive his love and forgiveness, that he says, in your brokenness, you are mine and I love you. You're worthy. And then in our arrogance, when we think we're somehow better than others or achieve more, he says, let's dial that back. Because at the cross, man, we are all his, none greater and none lesser. And that's the very picture of the bread, that we're one loaf in him. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body. It's given for you, all of you, and we're one in him. Let's receive that together. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And it's a reminder of our need. We can hear great inspiring words about how we're to step out, how we're to walk in this way. But let's be honest, none of us can do that on our own. And we receive his presence, his forgiveness, his freedom. But the cup is also one to be shared, not just among us, but all those around us to bring who he is to others. And can we agree when we discover who he is, what's the best thing we have to give but him? It's sweet and it's joyful and it's founded in his forgiveness. Let's receive that together as well. So, Lord, I ask on behalf of all of us, whether it's through what you're speaking today, whether it's through our circumstances, would you pour out grace? Pour out your unconditional, relentless love that both humbles us and gives us a posture to continue to discover who you are. God, thank you that we never exhaust knowing you, but it's new understanding and new revelation continually. And, God, you give it wherever you want to give it to us. And let us be receptive to that. And will you continue to speak and lead as we worship you now in your name? Amen. Let's stand together and we're going to sing. We're going to respond really with a sense of we give this to you. Not out of obligation, but out of joy. Because where else and who else would we give it to but him? Let's worship together.
Sabe, não? 
as, uh, as we were singing, two things uh, came to mind to me specifically. Uh, one is that we live in a world that increasingly looks at all of who we are and goes, this part's bad, this part's bad, this part's wrong, and we disconnect. The second is that when we're described as living stones, they're meant to be stones that are brought as they are. And I look and go, it's a beautiful thing to know Listen, I bring some hopes and dreams and all sorts of things that are really ugly and a mess. And not everything, and I can't fix that first, and that's not God's intention. It's to bring all of it and to live in a community of people that we both love, care for, speak to, and walk with in the mess and the parts God's already doing stuff in. That is incredibly liberating, isn't it? You know, that's, that's what I want to be. I want to get to hear a message like David gave us and go, man, there's parts I think that's great. That is not where I am. But I'm going to bring that to God. And I'm going to subject myself to the people around me who love me to go, I want this to change. I just, I long for us to grow and continually do that in a world that is looking at parts of us going bad, good, I hate, I can't be with. And we do it to each other too, don't we? So I just want to give you a blessing on the way up, but I want to remind you, we get to bring it all. No hidden, no pretending, just bring it. And man, God does something with that that's beautiful. Let me have you place your hands out. I want to give you a blessing as you head out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. Oh, may you experience his relentless and radical love. May you be ministered to by people you never thought you could or would. And may you receive and give to people you never thought you could or would too. That we will become increasingly humble, broken, just longing to grow people. That somehow it brings about the glory of God and the joy in us. And may it be again for his glory and our joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.